Welcome to Sigma TV. Welcome to the executive interview series. I am so thrilled to be here with the Honorable Silvio Scambri, Minister for the Economy and Industry. Silvio, thank you so much for joining me today. First of all, uh, we're coming to the end of a very long year. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully we're coming to an end. Of, uh, I think many of us are trying to, to, to find something to literally struck off the year 2020 and looking forward for 2021. But all in all, I think it also had its positive. Let's put it this way. Well, let's start with that. Yeah. Because for a lot of people, it's been a challenging year. And as we look forward into the year 2021, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of hopes because it has been so difficult. But for you, there's also been an awful lot of change. Uh, you've seen yourself uh, move from different areas into different uh, new challenges. How has, if you could summarize 2020, taking away the obvious, the mask wearing and the, you know, lockdown and all these sorts of things, how has it been for you? Well, I think it was quite of a roller coaster as well. So, but but uh, it was a, a bit of a rough ride, but I think it was uh, a year where one could learn a lot, could, could, could work in, in different fields and I mean, okay, now you're looking forward to the year 2021, but looking back, um, I think we were in a position to do a lot of good. And that is some kind of feeling good in a way that, that at least we did all that we can to, to uh, minimize as much as possible the effects of the coronavirus and, and all the other effects that had not only as a country, but also in terms of economy, in terms of social effects, in terms of, of the country in general. Well, I, I think nobody could have a year ago had, could have anticipated what was what 2020 was going to look like. <laughs> Obviously not. And what we had in store. Um, and of course, we're right at this point right now uh, where we're beginning to see this emergence of, uh, of uh, vaccines and, and starting to see that maybe 2021. Um, it, and we know for a fact it's not going to be overnight. We're not going to suddenly wake up. Uh, you know, one day in February and everything is perfect. It's going to be a long road in there. But hopefully we're starting to see the light out of that. Uh, and is 2021 looking like a positive challenge? Well, for sure. Let me put it this way. Up until December, I was parliamentary secretary for, for digital economy, right? In January, I, I was given the portfolio as minister for the economy. In March, uh, we had uh, the COVID-19, the infamous COVID-19, that uh, basically put the world at a, at a pause or at a stop. In Malta, we had one of the, the, one of the most robust economic growth in Europe. Uh, but in March, uh, all this changed. And the fact that, as you know, Malta, one of the most important pillars in Malta in terms of economic growth is tourism. It represents a third of our economy. And uh, we had a situation where tourism growth rate was growing year on year, but basically in March, it came, it came to a standstill. And you had a fraction of, of the economy that literally stopped from growth to zero in, in a matter of days. We had a report, uh, I've been just in office in about three months as Minister of the Economy, Responsible for the Economy. So from an economy of, of huge economic growth to, to a standstill. 
being presented with a report by the Prime Minister that if we're going to do nothing, we're going to have a situation where about 50,000 people will end up unemployed. 50,000 people means 50,000 families, and that will have a ripple effect on, on, on other businesses, companies that will just go bust. And in a matter of days, we had to, to come up with a plan to safeguard these jobs and in a way to be effective, efficient, but uh, in an immediate way. And that is what we've done. Um, we've, we've came up with the plan for the regeneration of our economy, which nowadays, if we look back, we, we can see that it's barely fruit and the results that we wanted to, to expect. In fact, nowadays in Malta, we have the lowest unemployment rate amongst our European peers. And uh, even with, with uh, recent results in terms of, uh, such as the, the credit rating agency Fitch has just published, that in Malta, apart from having uh, long-term economic growth, and the prospects for long-term economic growth, which are robust, it is also stating that apart, the fact that we have the lowest rate of unemployment, we are best positioned to then be able to have growth next year. As you mentioned, with the vaccine, uh, we are at least seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It will not be something that come January we start um, having the vaccine here in Malta. Um, it will not change overnight. It will still have particular several weeks for the distribution of the vaccine, but also for the actual effect of that vaccine. But at least businesses know that there is some type of solution. But it was very interesting just listening to you a second ago, talking about, and we, mo we mentioned this before we started the interview, you mentioned about the fact that the economy was like a, uh, was like a fast car going really well and suddenly you had to pull on the handbrake because no, from, from no, no fault of anyone's, COVID hit. But listening to you talk about these 50,000, potential 50,000 unemployed people, and then mentioning their families and the knock-on effect, I just want to bring this to a human aspect, because when you said that, it just looked for a split second that, that a glimpse of the weight that you carry, because of course, with your role, it is those individuals that you that are going to be affected by this, and that must have been a really tough year. I mean, just to just to, to put it in a personal uh, context, that's a lot of weight to carry. Well, I think baptism of fire is is, is an understatement in this case, and uh, that is the responsibility of any policymaker to look after the families of that particular country, but also to look after the particular portfolio that. Uh, you are heading. In my case, it was the economy. So it was quite a large portfolio, uh, which was severely hit by the pandemic. But the most challenging part in, in, in this particular challenge was to keep the balance between health issues and economic and social issues. The fact that uh, this crisis, because it was a crisis, was a health crisis transformed into economic and financial crisis. It had all the most difficult elements to try to keep them in balance. Mm. If we look at the previous crisis that we had, we had previous financial crisis, economic crisis, but a crisis like this, which was a combination of health issues, social issues, economic issues, all together at one point in time across all the world, 
it was something that the world never experienced. Mm. So there were, we, di we didn't have a book of rules and regulations and procedures to follow. We had to literally invent all the rules and procedures by ourselves. We have to test them and um, succeed in trying and testing all the time. Luckily enough, we, we had a population that responded well to our actions, to our measures. We had a very strong financial position as a country mm -hmm. in terms of debt to GDP ratio. So we were in a position to be able to, to have a space for maneuver, to be able to issue measures and support uh, our economy and uh, lessen the burden as much as possible on our families, on our people, on, on, on the people who, who, if we have had not done what we had done, people would have suffered, suffered a lot. Just look at, our at other countries, neighboring countries, Italy, Spain, exactly. France, Germany, exactly. and you will notice a difference. From our side, we tried to, as much as possible, keep families live, um, let's say not normality, but at least as much near to normality as possible. Being able to still go out, being able to go to work, mm -hmm. to, to send uh, our, our children to school, um, to even go to a restaurant. This was not an easy task. Uh, but uh, thank God, I think we, we are succeeding in getting some results. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much better off we have had it in yeah. Malta than, than, as you said, some of our neighboring countries. We really have had an easier ride. I think people do realize. You think? Very, yeah. Uh, at the end, uh, people are appreciative of what we are doing. So at least that is the feeling I get when I, I still keep in contact with people. And I see the appreciation in their face and, and, and the fact they come and tell you, look, thanks for, for the work you're doing. We really appreciate the fact that we are still in employment. We, we still have, have carrying the burden, but we know that the government is doing all that you can to, to lessen the burden as much as possible. So, yeah, I think at the end, people do appreciate what we do. Well, listen, a baptism of fire, you mentioned this baptism of fire, and of course, as you mentioned and we've highlighted just then, Malta has done extraordinarily well, and because of the decision makers like yourselves. Um, I just want to ask you, you mentioned before about the, the previous role as the Parliamentary Secretary for Financial Services and Digital Economy. Now, one of the sectors that has survived and thrived during this, this pandemic season, of course, is the, is the digital sector, is the gaming, and we'll come to crypto in a second and, and a number of others, but is doing extraordinarily well. Now, crypto, uh, gaming has had a hit, um, not just because of COVID, but there has, here in the context of Malta, there's been a number of issues. Is it still on the agenda as a significant part of Malta's economic future? Of course. As you know, Trudy, I was Parliamentary Secretary of, of Digital Economy and this particular part of our economy is very close to my heart. I mean, the past three years, um, we've done so much work in this area. We've put Malta on the map when it comes to digital economy. We've introduced new legislation when it comes to blockchain. Uh, we've introduced a policy when it comes to artificial intelligence, a new policy when it comes to esports and video game development industry a new policy on how we will regulate the gaming industry per se. Mm. The whole, we've overhauled the whole, um, uh, the whole regulation, the gaming of the Gaming Act to Malta. It was about two, two years ago. We've done a lot in, in that area. Mm. And 
that was an area which I loved to work into it. And that is why most probably the Prime Minister now, um, three weeks ago, I guess, two to three weeks ago, uh, decided to join the digital economy part from the Parliamentary Secretary and assign it to my ministry as well. So now we're seeing the infusion between the, the traditional economy into a digital economy. From, as I see it, uh, the future is the digital economy. So even if we look at the most traditional part of our economy, let's take manufacturing. Mm -hmm. For many people, manufacturing is, is that particular old factory that you go there for production and etc. That is not the real story. The real story is that today, even in Malta, our factories are more transformed into a lab. They are more into robotics. They are more into automation. They are more into high value added product. And that is still digital economy as well. We are seeing um, factories transforming themselves into producing more high tech product into a more high value added product. Let's take, for example, the situation during the pandemic. We had factories that overnight they turned their production because of automation, because of uh, industry, the investment they've done in the industry 4.0 um, areas, that they were able to literally change their production and produce something else. And this is the fusion that I would like to keep on push further. When it comes to gaming, of course, it's one of our top of the agenda. It represents quite a substantial amount of our GDP. But I'm not just looking at the gaming industry um, just at the online gaming industry. There are much more to that. Uh, I think that as time goes by, the gaming industry will then continue to uh, infuse into other areas, being blockchain, being uh, video game development industry, being esports. And I see a lot of potential there. In fact, um, last year, I've launched the esports strategy for Malta and video game development strategy for Malta. The target is clear, to have that particular area represent 1% of our GDP. As things stand today, it represents about 0.1%. Okay. And there are about, I think, if I'm not mistaken, about 250, 300 people working there. Our target is to increase that amount of people to 3,000 people working there. That is another area which forms part also then of the gaming industry, because we know that um, we have the video game development industry, they produce games, then these games are uh, played at esports events, then there are bettings on, on the esports events. So it's, it's an ecosystem that we're trying to build around that. So gaming industry, yes, of course, it plays an important part. It was an important part of our economy and will keep on being part important part of our economy. Well, just in the same way that, of course, uh, Malta became the gaming capital of Europe. And I, I'm so thrilled because it, here we are on a very small island in the middle of the Mediterranean, and we have such a, such a stake in such a massive industry, which is fantastic. But also, just recently, uh, Crypto.com, of course, was uh, awarded uh, an in-principal approval by MFSA. And crypto and blockchain are one of those uh, areas that not everybody understands. It's still quite a quite a, a challenge to 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 get your head around, but are we seeing that with this move now, with regards to crypto.com, that we might be seeing Malta as the crypto or the blockchain capital of Europe as well, and maybe even further? Yeah, look, three years ago, or three and a half, or four years ago, when I've started to to speak about blockchain and crypto here in Malta, 
it was something new for our country. Being part of the European Union was even a harder task to, to discuss. Why? Yeah, because uh, obviously you have different institutions and by its very own nature, blockchain is decentralized. So you're going to speak at different EU foras, which are obviously governed by a governmental system. And you're telling them, I'm trying to push a system whereby we're taking the decision power from your hands and give it to the people. It is something that you're going, you're going there and telling them, look, I'm going to make you unemployed. It's a challenge, right? So, but that was, funnily enough, that was my first speech I made at European, at European Forum. I remember telling them, look, in terms of blockchain, um, there are two decisions to make. We either follow and or we lead. And Malta has made its decision. The decision of Malta is that we are, we are going to lead. Now you either help us or not, but we're still going to do it. And actually we did it. I mean, we started discussing this blockchain island um, team and we've pushed it forward. We have worked very, very hard at the time. Um, when it comes to licensing, I must say I was a bit disappointed in terms that the MFSA, I think, could have done more in terms of expediting certain decisions. But I understand that coming from a financial regulator um, and the, the fact that we had other challenges, being the Maneva report, being other financial challenges that as a country we had to, to face and, and to, to um, make particular hard decisions and changes, this might be obviously of a greater decision. Crypto, particular crypto, is considered as a high risk area, mm. such as gaming such as the financial service sector per se. So given the fact that we're going in a transformative period of a de-risking exercise as a country, putting more areas of that are considered high risk was of a challenge. So I understand that. I still kept on pushing though on, on particular areas in terms of digital economy or blockchain. Uh, you mentioned crypto.com. I, I remember the first meeting I had with Chris, uh, the founder of crypto.com here in Malta and uh, the time I was explaining our vision, our policy direction. And uh, it was on that time that he said, look, I like this vision. I want to be part of it and I'm going to register for, for this license. And nowadays I was happy to know that I think three, four weeks ago, yes, exactly. Crypto.com was issued. In fact, uh, with, with this license, I immediately texted Chris because I still keep in contact with him. and. Uh, I was happy that at least we're seeing, um, even here, we're, we're, we're seeing some, some results. We can do more. We can do more because I, I strongly believe in the potential that Malta can offer in, in, in this area. And the fact now that this area is back within my portfolio, uh, from my side, I will keep on pushing harder. I'm really pleased for you. I'm pleased because you're, you're seeing now uh, the, the, the growth of the seeds that you, you sowed and the, 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 the areas that you were pushing forward and have the vision for. Now, of course, you mentioned uh, gaming, both gaming and uh, blockchain and crypto all have their challenges, uh, are all open to abuse as well. And, and it is taking a while uh, for, for blockchain and crypto to be able to get the right regulation in place, but is incredibly important to do
do so to keep this a clean and clear uh, industry and a clear platform to move forward. Now, I just want to ask you something. It's really exciting to hear. Well, you, you mentioned, you touched on AI. We've talked about blockchain. We've talked about gaming. Um, and of course, there's also medtech that is emerging in, in the Maltese islands as well. Um, and it looks like the goal for Malta is to become the digital capital. It, it's a digital island. This is, a, this is the phrase that's being passed around an awful lot and has been for a long time, the digital island. I want to ask you, what are the infrastructural challenges with that? Do we have, as a small island in the middle of the Mediterranean, do we have the infrastructure to support the potential and the vision that you have? Well, by our very own nature, as a country and even as people living here in Malta, we are survivors in the sense that we always try to create an economic activity out of nothing. We have no natural resources, we have no oil, no water, no mountains, uh, no nothing. We just have ourselves, our labor, our human capital. So we want to keep on building up on that. And if we look at how our economy is diversified, very much on that depends on human capital, being tourism, being um, financial services, being gaming, being other um, services in general. So this is all built um, around our people. And therefore, we need to continue to keep on building in, in, in this sense. Going in the digital aspect, um, we strongly believe that the more time passes, the more activities are going into that area. So that is something as a natural choice for us, to invest heavily in the digital sphere and looking into other ways and means to continue to evolve that particular area. It does look like it is a brighter future. And I'm thrilled that you're see, looking ahead and seeing a vision for this country that is so uh, so substantial and, and obviously with the digital island has so much growth. We've seen a massive um, migration onto the digital platform. And if that's what we are, then we have a bright future ahead of us. Sylvia, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your very, very insightful look into what's happening and what is going to happen. And wishing you from Sigma all the very, very best with that. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you.